0: Welcome to the Battleground, Wisconsin. My name's Matt Bruski and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel here this week, which means Rebecca Lynch is sitting across from me, and Rebecca is with the Wisconsin Working Families Party. Rebecca, good to see you.
1: Good to be here, Matt.
0: Yeah, I'm having a rough morning here, folks, trying <laughs> to get this intro recorded. And Robert Craig, our Executive Director, is with us. Robert, good to see you.
2: Good day, everyone.
0: All right. So, hey, it is uh, March 1st. We record Thursday morning, and uh, spring is here. I I learned that apparently the weather forecasters have determined uh, March 1st is uh, weather forecasting spring. So welcome to spring, everybody. (laughs) And we have a number of uh, topics that we're going to sort of, I guess, uh, careen around uh, through today. Um, But we wanted to start today by following up on our conversation last week about Attorney General Brad Schimmel and how he jumped on right away to President Trump's uh, idea to arm teachers and uh, said that you know if this were to pass that he would support it. And this week, in fact, yesterday, Wednesday, Scott Walker announced that he is not supporting it. So he's, we have a separation obviously here, and it's part of why we wanted to talk about it last week. We thought Schimmel was. Quite a bit out there. It is also worth pointing out that um, the two mainline Republican candidates for U.S. Senate that are challenging Tammy Baldwin have also lined up with Schimmel and that they're open to this. They, they were a little less huggy of the idea, but certainly not like Walker, where they just flat out said, we're not interested. In fact, um, Walker did um, come out and say that, you know, if, if you just listen to teachers, <laughs> there's no reason why we would do this. Rebecca, I want to start with you. This is probably the first time I think I've ever heard Walker use, if you just talk to teachers, to justify a policy. But he's right. Uh, if you talk to teachers, this is a terrible idea.
1: If you talk to anybody, it's a terrible <laughs> Thank idea. Thank you for that. I, you know, I think uh, my political analysis of this is that Walker is going to have a really tough reelection, uh, and he knows it. Whereas with these other candidates, you've got Schimmel, who I think is... Uh, either he has no strategy or is looking at different polling, or uh, his strategy includes trying to really rev up the base because not that many people are going to vote down ballot after governor. And then in the Senate race, I think a lot of people will come out and vote for Senate, but they've got a primary. So they're currently competing in a completely different field than the field that Walker is competing in. And so I think that might be part of the reason why we see a discrepancy among the Republican candidates.
0: Your thoughts,
2: Robert? Well, we've been in a weird situation which will not be the constant normal um, where you couldn't be far right enough in Republican primaries or Republican politics generally. In fact, the only vulnerability a Chuck Grassley or an Hatch could have is not to, be, not to go further and further right. And so when you have the NRA and others saying, oh, arm all the teachers, like it's a Clint Eastwood movie, Uh, A John Wayne movie, and by the way, Hollywood is complicit in this because people who do believe this watch these movies. So I think that's another element of where boycotts uh, should probably take place. Uh, But it's absurd. I mean, Richard Slotkin, this goes way back in American history, it's not just the NRA. Richard Slotkin, the great cultural historian, uh, had a famous book called um, Gunslinger Nation. And, you know, the whole notion of the Western, which was developed in literature is you know, the role of guns, etc. And that has a lot more to do with right-wing interpretation of the Second Amendment uh, than anything the founding fathers were trying to do. So with the what's happening, we've had these terrible mass shootings. that have been normalized, but not by the kids. And the feeling that after Las Vegas, after Sandy Hook, after Columbine, all the others... It didn't, nothing changed that the NRA was impregnable and that there was no consequence to moving further and further right. And we don't know, this may not be the last stage at all because the NRA is so well fortified, has lied to its constituency for so long and they're so active in gerrymandered districts and in our very unequal electoral system where land is represented more than people. That goes back to the founding fathers and slavery, to be honest. Uh, So we don't know, but you see Trump moving on this. You see an incredibly, and he could move back if the movement doesn't continue, you see Walker uh, doing this. We'll see if Walker gets backlash from NRA types, but Walker thinking about general election and thinking there are a lot of swing voters uh, throughout the state that would consider this nuts, which it is. We'll see if this continues, but it's very promising, and it's been brought about by young people. So... We didn't think that the next, uh, you know, ant- Vietnam anti-war movement of the civil rights movement, the freedom riders would come in this area necessarily, but that is what is happening. And what's interesting is, even though the Sandy Hook kids were the most, you know, uh, sympathetic imaginable because they were young elementary school kids, these are kids who are on the debate team, who are, are a very, uh, very ex- uh, good pro- public school, applying to major colleges, who have serious capacity
0: yeah, I, that's what I wanted to follow up with Rebecca, and I know because we think it's about organizing. This is critical, and this moment has—it's the organizing of the kids that are really changing the dynamic. I would argue, um, and changing this political dynamic, which I think is catching these conservatives way off guard.
1: Yeah, I, I, I do. I wouldn't necessarily compare them to. The civil rights movement or the Freedom Riders, because I actually do think that youth of color um, have been, you know, out there for a while now as kind of um, the heart and soul of, of the Black Lives Matter movement. and been talking about gun violence and militarization of police as a part of gun violence for a while. Um, but I agree that in the wake of this mass shooting, um, the the students who are involved here are brilliant. Um, you know, theater kids, debate kids, like you mentioned, uh, who speeches have gone viral, and they are also organizing actively with, you know, veteran organizers and other movements. And so, this is like certainly a moment. Uh, and I think they it's very hard to um, argue against kids who just want to be safe. And so, I do think that. I mean I I don't want to give Walker too much credit cuz saying that we shouldn't arm teachers isn't saying that we should have sensible gun laws but
0: Yeah no I'm and I'm not into down this strand to like give Walker credit Whoa. but I think it is where I did want us to get to is what the students have been doing in all of these movements you mentioned Black Lives Matters the dreamers it is radically it is changing It's very true the politics and I think that is fundamentally important and interesting here um, Robert, I was about to interrupt.
2: Well, I was going to say, just to be clear, I would never say that Walker's motives are anything but mercenary. <laughs> so this is him pivoting, just like he's tried to pivot on the Affordable Care Act.
0: But that's uh, instructive, and it's important for us to note that. And education.
2: It, yeah. The biggest education increase in Wisconsin history, not noticing that we had the biggest decreases in Wisconsin history, which it didn't make up for. So the same thing. So that's mercenary. There's something about young people, and, uh, and Rebecca's right to broaden out the number of young people, not to overly obsess about these, these, these uh, uh, largely white and Latino kids that are from a very high-performing school. There are a lot of young people that have been doing a lot to build movements. Young people, when they—I mean, it's very easy for them to turn off from politics. A lot of them have, let's be clear. But the ones that don't— don't have the same sense of limits. They don't have this idea, oh, you'll never beat the NRA, so there's no point. And so the fatalism of the older generation uh, really gets changed. I mean, so the freedom writers, who are different in a lot of ways and were much more diverse, still thought, we can just go down to Alabama and Mississippi, right. and we're going to call them out, whereas the older generation is like, hey, you I'll do that, right?
0: <laughs> so I want to get back to Schimmel again, right, where we all started from in our state politics. It's a little bit of a jump, but Schimmel is, and and these Republicans are out there, and I want to talk more about Schimmel on healthcare, Robert, this week. I know it's a bit of a transition, but it it gets into this line where he's been really positioning himself with the far right and conservatives as he heads into this election for points that Rebecca brought up very early. Um, Quick, give us the highlights of what's happening, and then we'll talk briefly more about it after the break.
2: And it's similar because Walker is also pivoting on health care, as we mentioned, but Schimmel is still in the far right any frame. and so he's supporting the 17% position. That was the support for Trump care in its various instantiations. And so uh, he, he and 20 other attorney generals, member of the right, the Koch brother conspiracy really has taken over these offices, have filed a lawsuit that says that because the Trump administration is not going to force the individual mandate, um, and it was in the tax bill not to do so, that therefore the whole law should be thrown out. Now, by the way, I know we're about to get to the break, but there are lots of laws where parts of it were not enforced. And the idea that all of those laws go away if any part of it uh, becomes inoperative is absurd. But And it's also highly unpopular, because Walker's not on this track at all, because he knows that this is a very very small base of the public that wants, that wants Thirty million people to lose their health care.
0: With that, we got to quick take a break here. We'll be right back. Again, we're Citizen Action. And this is the Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. And before we left, we were we had spent a lot of time talking about um, the uh, Walker's decision not to. Uh, go with uh, Brad Schimmel on arming teachers, but then transitioned into talking more broadly, like we were last week, about Brad Schimmel really aligning himself with uh, the far right and conservatives. And not only on the gun issue, but uh, Robert, before the break, started to talk about how he's threatening to sue. He's he around suing. suing. He is suing. <laughs> using me. our money. Sorry, <laughs> using our money to sue for the Affordable Care Act, which, like, again, this gets back to Rebecca mentioned earlier. Does he have bad polling or... Right, or is he brilliant? And this is an off-year election, and he just absolutely needs to have an energized base. And he's worried
2: that, like, he's just following he's the playbook that you're always better off moving further right. He's yep. just following that playbook.
0: So, well, it, and it it is fascinating that it's it's markedly different than certainly on the on the NRA on the gun issue where where Walker is staked out this week. So we'll, we're going to continue to talk more about that. But I do, before we go, want to give you one more chance to say any more about the specific lawsuit
2: well it simply argues that the whole ACA uh, is now invalid because the individual mandate is not there anymore
0: and and Robert real quick this is not likely to go anywhere is that right this is pretty much a political stunt purely
2: well we have a U.S. Supreme Court that's about to remove 40-year precedent around public employee unions being able to actually be paid for their services and and be and and be financially solvent. So I'm not going to make any declarations <laughs> that that uh, Supreme Court Justice Gorsuch has the swing vote. What he's going to do, uh, given they shouldn't even be a Supreme Court justice because literally the Senate didn't even do its constitutional do- duty and have even hearings on Obama's appointment to the Supreme Court that occurred a year before that before the end of his constitutional term. But I want to point out that Walker's tried to reposition himself on health care. Of course, he's doing so with a complicated corporate subsidy to the insurance industry, but uh, the media is doing his work, and nationally they're saying Walker is now supporting and trying to stabilize the Affordable Care Act. So he has repositioned himself, and Schimmel is still in the old school. We're going to destroy it in any way possible. It seems like a mistake to me, but... As again, we've, we, until we start, until voters, start punishing politicians that go too far right, then they'll continue to try to do these sorts of things.
0: So I want to transition another lawsuit. Uh, we talked a couple weeks back about uh, Governor Walker refusing to call a special election in Senate District 1 and uh, Assembly District, I believe, 42. Uh, and this is something that appears to be pretty clear, statutorily, that um, he should have done. Uh, and this week, a group led by former U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder is uh, filed a lawsuit against Governor Walker for his decision to leave these seats vacant. I um, want to talk more about that. Uh, it is worth pointing out last week our Shout out to our organizing cooperative members in the uh, Green Bay area who held a press conference to continue to try to draw attention to this uh, with uh, Senator Dave Hansen. Because um, this, um, this is a problem, and we all know why. We've talked about this. The reality is it's about power, and, and, and if, this, if, these, if there were special elections uh, in these races, these seats would be incredibly vulnerable. Important lawsuit, Rebecca?
1: I definitely think that there are political reasons why he rushed the special elections earlier this year and now is delaying on this. Um, It's, it's heartening that there are folks and outside groups and Eric Holder and others who are willing to hold our elected officials in Wisconsin accountable to the rule of law. Um, You know, it's something that, I hope continues, you know, as we continue our battle on, you know, partisan gerrymandering and some of the other voter suppression. Um, but it's it's clear that the right in Wisconsin will stop at nothing to push the envelope uh, on the law when it comes to disenfranchising voters um, and rigging the rules of the game in their favor.
2: There is a ruthlessness, which you've talked about a lot, and you just need to notice that Walker will try to use any authority he potentially has, even if he doesn't have it. Uh, just to hold power, and he's very concerned not only about these seats, he's much more concerned about the momentum, the idea there's a blue tide which would make him more vulnerable and would attract more resources and more energy behind his ultimate democratic opponent. And so clearly this was, I dare you to sue me, and now we have the lawsuit. He's clearly violating the law, but the law is written in a way that it's supposed to be about making sure people are represented when the legislature is in session. And since the lawsuit is coming, while you can't get a remedy until after they're out of session, uh, particularly with uh, the the, the state Supreme Court we have, don't be shocked if they say, oh, we violate the law, but there's no punishment, and we'll just wait now till November. So don't get overly giddy, though we certainly all hope that this succeeds. And uh, quite frankly, just like, I mean, this isn't like the um, uh, refusal to to consider Merrick Garland. Uh, Obama's Supreme Court nominee, because in that case, this, the Constitution doesn't have a timeline. It just requires the Senate to do it. And obviously, there's no punishment, as we found out. But in this case, there's a very clear timeline which he has violated. And very clear conditions that he has violated, and just the arrogance in which he said, "I'm just not going to do it. No, it's just not going to happen. It's a waste of money."
1: Could I could I actually yeah, talk yeah. about something that's a little off topic, but is related? So on the one hand, you have uh, you know Republican elect officials and Scott Walker openly um, you know uh, disobeying what the law is in terms of the rules of the game and the timeline for how things should be done. On the other hand, and this is off topic, but I feel like helps paint the picture of just like how off base they are. Uh, the assembly just passed a piece of legislation the Senate has yet to take up, which would criminalize municipal and local elected officials from having project labor agreements and doing local hire. It would make it a misdemeanor that would be, I think it's like either uh, nine months in jail or a $10,000 fine. So the mayor of a city could go to jail if they tried to do a project labor agreement or local hire for their residents. So that is like the juxtaposition of like, the, the when the law, it doesn't apply to them, when it comes to the rules of the game, but they are gonna try to change the law as much as possible to put folks in a box when they're trying to do good things for our community.
2: Uh, It is along the slippery slope towards authoritarianism. And I'm sure one of the fine Koch network or Bradley funded groups will say that I'm crazy for saying that, but when you absolutely, when you're gonna punish your enemies in law, and when you want to flaunt the law, when it comes to the most central thing, democracy and people's representation, just uh, whenever it serves your power interests, what is that? And also gerrymandered the state so we don't have one, one, one person, one vote either, which itself, I know it's a legal issue that the U.S. Supreme Court may overturn, but it's a moral issue before that. It's uh,
1: dystopian. And mm-hmm. and like when we talk about it right now in this room, I'm starting to get really animated because it's like insane like day to day we kind of like take on these indignities as like the normal course of business and politics in wisconsin but when you kind of take in the full scope it's it is i mean authoritarianism is absolutely on the road to that i couldn't agree more
0: that's why i wanted to talk about this because it's it's exactly that and it is about power um because they walker really knows you're going to lose this election that that was a very good possibility um i just hope our our listeners can understand what we're talking about. Senate District 1 is generally about a 41, 42 percent Democratic district if you were to average all the elections. That is about the same as what Senate District 10 was, which the Democratic candidate Patty Shackner won with 55 percent of the vote. And so this would be a very risky, risky proposition for them and so that's and why anything, he's not doing it. There are it.
2: more active progressives uh, because you have Door County and you have suburban Green Bay that has plenty yeah. of progressive people in it.
0: Yeah, and they, they were clearly worried about that. And this idea that somehow it was about money, which was what Walker really first started talking about, that we didn't have the money for this, it's just absurd given what we're going to talk about next. Remember, he's going
2: to spend hundreds of millions on his completely punitive welfare yeah. uh, yep. deforms because it's highly complicated to, to, to enforce all of these requirements, these hurdles that are designed just to get to prevent people who are hungry from getting food or people who need housing from getting shelter. Uh, so he's willing to spend uh, generously on that sort of thing because it's in his political interest. And then, you know, with very small amounts of money, oh, I'm going to stand up for the taxpayer.
0: Well yeah and and so that's why we wanted to talk about this and make sure that this continues to get uh, a lot of public awareness because the public gets it this this makes them look bad and and we need to expose this because it it's not necessarily ideological right it's sort of about basic democracy and uh, versus authoritarianism as Robert talks about it so with that though, well, can I up. say
1: this is a, just to go back a topic before we move yep. into a new segment. Uh, back to guns. So with the big news this week, and I don't want to talk too much about it, but you know, Dick Sporting yep. uh, is making some major changes. They're not selling assault rifles. They're not selling guns to people under twenty-one. I think correct.
0: Uh, and they spoke out against. They like went after the NRA directly. Good for Dick.
2: Who is Dick anyway? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I do, and I don't want to give them too much free pr- uh, press. I think they got a lot of that this week. Um, Since they
2: sold guns to the, the to, mass to murderer. the shooter, right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not
1: the gun, but other yes. guns. Um, but I think the one thing I want to say super quickly. I know we got to jump is that. You know, what's interesting to me um, since President Trump was elected is how corporations have been forced to respond. We saw after Charlottesville when he normalized Nazi um, behavior that we had the Business Council uh, disband. There's the corporate backers of hate campaign. And now we're seeing, you know, this other with the NRA, this boycott of airlines and uh, car rental companies who are not working with the NRA. So with that, I think we got. And
2: Delta up. is getting assaulted by Georgia state leaders for, for pulling the NRA discount. And with
0: that, (laughs) we are Citizen Action. we got to take a break. You're listening to The Battleground, Wisconsin. Welcome back to The Battleground, Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We've been talking about sort of the abuse of power that goes on currently, not only in the Walker administration, but certainly here uh, from the Republican Party in terms of the total control they have and this week, uh, we had news on another story that we've been tracking, and that is the effort by Republicans to essentially uh, force out, it was a total witch hunt, of Michael Haas, who was the uh, state elections chief at the, uh, the newly created Wisconsin Election Commission. Um, and he stepped down this week, and I just want to read a quote from him. Uh, he said, it's time for this foolishness to end this agency cannot afford to be distracted by my status, um, and he went on to essentially, basically say that this is ridiculous. It's insane, um, but that's the reality. We have a, a, a extremely well-regarded professional being pushed out uh, by the Walker Walker administration and Republicans, really, in uh, the legislature uh, over over old political ghosts. I think is. Uh, Michael Haas may have uh, described it. Panel's thoughts?
1: I mean, it's just more of the same of what we talked about before, you know, this, like, authoritarianism. It's deeply um, disconcerting uh, as we look ahead to the elections coming down the pike. I mean, what we just saw is it seems like there might have been some voters who were um, removed from the voter rolls throughout the state. So that's something that's worth looking at, but more, you know, and more extreme, Concerns for me, at least, are, you know, disenfranchisement and just like the general like well running <coughs> of our elections. So this whole thing has been I think he said, what do you say? It's time for the sideshow to end or something like that.
0: Basically. yeah. And
1: it is like a, it's really been a sideshow. And I, I think I personally have treated it that way. But when you actually pay attention to it, it's like deeply disturbing and just amazing what they were able to accomplish and so swiftly.
2: Just to rewind slightly, remember we had a government accountability board, which was nonpartisan, which was created because of the caucus scandals, where both parties used public money to campaign and had gone on for years without prosecution. And then the Republicans and Walker hated that. This is where the authoritarian comes in because they didn't want an independent arbiter. And they were particularly furiated. There was punishment for pursuing the John Doe investigation. They didn't pursue it. They were, they, when the district attorney, Ch- Schimmel, and the independent pro, uh, investigator they hired, who was a Republican, asked for their help, uh, they, of course, provided it because it was a major criminal investigation into things at the time that were considered complete campaign finance violations. And I would have thought I'd go to jail <coughs> if I did them. Just to be very clear, and which the right-wing Supreme Court later shut down the investigation, rewrote the law. Uh, forget uh, stare decisis—that is, precedent or original intent of constitutions or anything like that. They just invented new law because their political operation. And then, and now that this witch hunt against not only to destroy the government accountability board which did it, only did his job, but anyone connected to it. So it's very much like the authoritarian former senator of Wisconsin, Joe McCarthy. You know, are you now or have you ever been, right? Have you ever gone to a communist meeting? Then we need to destroy your career. This is what these guys, they were, there's no evidence that either the head of the Elections Commission or the Ethics Commission um, had anything to do with what they're mad about. And even if they had, they would have been doing their jobs, okay? And they're not, they had, not, had nothing directly to do with John Doe. But furthermore, they created these balances on the federal model, which means no action, you know, uh, partisan split, where it's 3-3 on both. And their own appointees wanted to keep the chair of the Ethics Commission, and and, and Mike Costa, the head of the Elections Commission, and they still did this.
0: Absolutely. And again, what is most disturbing about this is this commission had been doing surprisingly well, like it had actually, at least in terms of the basic administration uh, functions that it did. And we're heading into a huge election year. And it, this. This uh, this news comes out on the same day that there's more stories about Russian hacking into potentially Wisconsin elections. I know the election commission continues to vigorously deny and say that these are these are false reports. At some level it doesn't matter, right? Like it, the perception that this is clearly at risk is real and that we have the chair stepping down in the middle of our spring primary election yeah. as we're heading into the fall, right? Like is incredibly disturbing given what Robert just laid out, right? Like there's everyone on the who actually was running the commission, who was appointed, thought he was doing a good job and and this They just
2: given him a 6-0 vote just... of confidence. So all Republicans and all Democrats before this all started. Now it's not quite as bad because we've been talking about authoritarianism as China, whereas many of our listeners will know that uh, Xi Jinping this week uh, abolished term limits and apparently uh, intends to be president for life. Uh, though you wonder, with Walker, uh, why he even puts up with this re election, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> so, with that, we are going to change gears a little bit here. We want to talk a little bit about Foxconn and economic development policy, act, We're going to, whole ball of wax, we're going to kind of Uh, roll through over the next few minutes Um, but the big news one of the big stories this week that just went viral uh, for us and it always tells me when that happens that this is something that has definitely touched a nerve and that was the news that came out that uh, because of Foxconn uh, over 90 million dollars of road repair that would go to local governments is uh, is not happening and (laughs) I mean so the term Scott Holes are starting mm-hmm. to pop up around the state um, for all the potholes for the <laughs> lack of that's awesome. repair that's been going on and and certainly when you actually have real money that's being <laughs> Uh, deferred away for Foxconn.
2: And from all over the state. Yeah,
0: all over. So that's nice. Even though the jobs won't be spread all over, you're going to pay for it in your roads.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, can we talk about the forums that they had? The... You bet. So uh, there were um, forums that drew hundreds of people out um, to ask questions of panelists um, about Foxconn and you know the questions centered around the changes that are going to be happening. A lot of folks were concerned about water, Uh, One of the things that I found pretty interesting is that one of the panelists is former Racine Mayor John Dickert, who now is head of uh, the Great Lakes Mayors Association. And, you know, in response to uh, concerns about the water, it sounds like he just kind of delivered a lot of word soup um, about how great this is gonna be, that this is the fresh coast that we're remaking the economy. Yeah, yeah God. The, the gotta fresh love coast has come back.
2: <laughs> you yeah, gotta love Racine politics. It, did he say the Fresh Coast?
0: Yeah. He must have just had a conversation with Mayor Barrett, because I know that I thought that was Milwaukee's term. It'll be a little fresh, less fresh after Foxconn <laughs> yeah. gets done with it.
1: Yeah, I mean he you know, he was still mayor when the Foxconn deal was signed. Um, and then he went and took this job where he's supposed to be representing this coalition of all of the mayors around the Great Lakes. Uh, and I would imagine that quite a few of them have real concerns about what's going to be happening to the water um, in Lake Michigan, and seems like he's representing his legacy and his interests here um, in Scott Walker's project. But again, it's just one article I read; it wasn't at the forum, but I just find that to be interesting—the musical chairs that kind of people play um, in politics.
2: Well, we just got to keep our best and brightest, right? Go, I mean, you know, they, they have so much experience in negotiating the Foxconn deal to bring the bear now and protecting
0: Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm so there 's going to be some more of these forums there 's a forum on March fourteenth and twenty first If you live in the area and you want to get out and uh, express yourself, uh, you should attend, but it continues to show what we already know that this um, this issue is not going away it 's going to be an electoral issue. People are not happy about it, and this is where the actual jobs are going to occur. You can only imagine how folks feel around the state that are not going to benefit it from it in any way and only feel the pain from it um one other thing that uh we that i definitely want to talk about related to weed it's somewhat connected to foxconn because we talked about it oh about a month back when the ads were first put up down in chicago that they were going to spend seven million dollars on ads targeting millennials um robert pointed out that they were targeting millennials on the train lines that were only white millennials on the north side, on the and, north side. and of
2: course uh, all only uh, wisconsin uh bar coasters, and the north side bars. So I projected that Lincoln Park and, the, and Milwaukee Avenue and all the hot places in the north side of Chicago are going to be emptied out, those poor bar owners and restaurant owners, <laughs> as all the millennials uh, come up to either get a ranch house or to live in the new compound <laughs> that right. hopefully Fox Foxconn will be offering. So,
0: so we right away just called out and said, this is, seems like a ridiculous ad campaign that's, well, one, targeting millennials who ride public transit that somehow they want to jump in a car and ride from that ranch house Robert is uh eloquently describing but uh, what was important is this week uh, a bunch of people who actually pol- uh, professionals and and talking about ads really just lambasted uh this effort and talked about it uh, basically saying like this is nuts and also that the ads are negative towards towards uh Chicago and um interviews with uh People from Wisconsin who are in Chicago who are still like Wisconsin and thought the ads were ridiculous and didn't understand why we weren't promoting positive things about Wisconsin. But again, this is part of the problem, right? You have a bad idea around Foxconn that's not actually going to create job creation uh, domestically, and they're literally trying to pump people in from outstate. But with that, we got to get out of here. We got to take a break. We got one more segment. We get back again. You are listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Well, we want to remind our listeners, it is it is spring election season. Um, the primaries just finished last week, and the general will be April 3rd. Am I right, uh, Rebecca, off yes. the top of my head? <laughs> Tuesday, April 3rd. So not too far away, really only a month away. I do want to point out to our listeners that Citizen Action uh, endorsed Rebecca Dallet last Friday. Our board moved that, and obviously we think the Supreme Court race is critical. We have talked about it extensively um, in the primary, we endorsed Tim Burns, talked a lot about how we thought this race was critical, and our feelings haven't changed at all. We think um, uh, Rebecca Dallet is the clear choice over, uh, is it Scronic? I'm, I'm going to mispronounce his name until the
2: day he's defeated. Don't worry, the Koch brother groups will help you <laughs> repeat help me. the name over and over again <laughs> with their air blitz.
0: Yeah, So, um, but again, this is, this is going to be a big race. Uh, it's really important. If you're interested in getting involved, we're going to be uh, working closely with the campaign to try to get people to volunteer, uh, phone banking, canvassing, a bunch of other things. But if you're interested, just uh, hit me up, matt.bruski at citizenactionwi.org. Love to get you connected. So obviously, Supreme Court race is really important. Um, but Rebecca, I wanted to get you were at the, the Bernie Sanders, Randy Bryce event, uh, another quite shocking turnout of people, a lot of energy.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, You know, Bernie Sanders came to Racine, to the 1st Congressional District, to do a campaign rally for Randy Bryce. Uh... Citizen Action Co-op member Mandela Barnes is one of the speakers. Uh, John Tate II was a speaker. Uh, Rep. Newbauer, Marina Dmitrievich, uh, the state director of the Working Families Party, spoke. It was a really great event. Uh, and what struck me was that there were thousands of people, I mean, standing room only, piled in. People on a Saturday waited in line. I, I showed up to help uh, at 6:30 in the morning, and there was one um, older woman waiting to get in for this like 10:30 a.m. event. And by like 7:30, there was like lines of people down the block. I mean, the energy was, you know, the level of a presidential election. I think people are really, they were obviously inspired by Bernie and excited to see him. I think people are ready to get to work and and make change. And when folks were leaving, they kept saying to me, what are we going to do? Like, how can we help? So, you know, it's thrilling. And I think uh, if I were Paul Ryan, I'd be pretty concerned.
0: Yeah, no, this is, again, uh, we talked about it earlier, there's a reason why Walker ain't calling these elections. There is a tremendous amount of energy on, on, on the progressive side, uh, and Paul Ryan is feeling that heat. And one other thing we wanted to mention is we had um, Sarah Godlowski on, uh, one of our members, talking about the, uh, the referendum to get rid of the, uh, the, the state uh, Treasurer. Mm-hmm. And I believe there's a website now that we think is up and running where folks can go get more information on that. Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: we'll make sure it's on the on Facebook and on the podcast notes. But, you know, we've only, as you mentioned earlier, Matt, you know, there's just a month until the election. Yep. No one knows this is happening. That's so right. time to dig in.
0: And also want to let our listeners know that Citizen Action launched a new app. And we want to thank Brian Wilderidge, our producer, who produces this podcast, because the show, he was critical in uh, getting that app together. Uh, you can find that app in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. And it just type in, search Citizen Action Wisconsin and download the app. You can get the podcast, get our blogs, uh, link to our Facebook, Twitter, and each of the regional organizing cooperatives, a place where you can go and get, uh, join the co-ops. So we are fortunate uh, to welcome a guest to come and talk to us a little bit more about a really important town hall that's occurring in Racine next Saturday and uh, the guest with that is joining us is Chris Lennon. Chris is a co-op member with uh, Citizen Action Chris, thanks for taking time to join us today.
3: Hey, no problem at all. I'm excited to be here.
0: So, Chris, you're a part of a group of members that uh, have been working for quite some time now over the last year, 18 months, around really trying to educate the public about these gerrymandered maps that we have in our state. And so this forum is connected to that. Tell our listeners a little bit about what the forum is, where it is, and why it's so important that they should attend.
3: Okay. um, Our next town hall is going to be at the Racine Public Library, the library is located at 75 7th Street in Racine. It will be from 1.30 until 3. Section Ch- uh, Cheta is our speaker, and he is the director of the Fair Election Project of Wisconsin, and he's also a citizen action um, member. And he's been involved in... Um, Gil v. Whitford, which is the um, lawsuit that has been appealed all the way to the Supreme Court since the very beginning, so he has a lot of important information on how this got how we got to where we are today and what we can do to move forward
0: well, and this would seem like a really appropriate uh, time to to plug in and get information because we 're probably pretty close to hearing hearing on the lawsuit. I assume such an Uh, be able to give everybody sort of the latest scoop on what's going on?
3: Yes, absolutely. Um, Currently, the Supreme Court has heard um, the Wisconsin case, and without inside knowledge of the court, what we believe the court is doing is withholding their um, findings on this case until they've heard a case that is... um, been uh, taken to the Supreme Court from Maryland. And in the Maryland case, it's the Democrats that have abused the power and have um, drawn gerrymandered maps. And in the state of Wisconsin, of course, we all know it is the Republicans that have abused the power. Um, So we think and we hope the case will be um, they will make their announcements on the cases in June. And we also have a second program coming up where we will specifically be looking at the cases, and that will be at the Plymouth Church um, here in Milwaukee on March the 18th.
1: Chris, this is Rebecca Lynch from the Wisconsin Working Families Party. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Really excited that you're pulling together this forum in Racine uh, for a few reasons. Uh, One is that we have a new Wisconsin Working Families Party local branch forming in Racine, so I'll make sure that they all know about your event. I was saying it's great you're doing this event in Racine because some of the worst gerrymandered lines are what we're seeing in that part of the state. You know, you have Senator Bob Wirch who uh, used to represent just Kenosha, now only represents essentially the cities of Racine and Kenosha. It's almost like a magic eight district. And if we do get partisan gerrymandered lines redrawn, I imagine that there'll be very different representation in Racine and Kenosha.
3: Absolutely. And um, the Racine map is one of the maps that we've actually um, blown up into a poster because it shows how grossly these maps have been drawn. We also address the fact that a lot of citizens were, aren't aware of is that these maps were drawn at a, a not at our state capitol, but in a law office. And the only people allowed to see these maps prior to releasing them were republicans and those republican assembly people and senators were demanded to sign a non-disclosure agreement Uh, This is not democracy. This is not how this country should be working. And these maps disenfranchise the voter, the power of our vote, by using things such as cracking and packing. And um, we'll explain a lot more of that at the um, Racine event We're also going to talk about prison gerrymandering and how that affects cities like Racine and Milwaukee and Madison where – when a person is incarcerated, um, they're taken to another county. They're taken to a prison outside of their home district, but when the census is done, our next one in 2020, if they are in prison, they're counted in the district that the prison is located in, which takes funds away from the city that they're going to return to when they're, uh, they've they done their time, they've um, completed their sentence and they're going to come back and live and those tax dollars are important to each community um, where a person is living
0: well Chris um, there is a lot to unpack about why this is so important that's why it's critical people if you haven't you get to get to this town hall in Racine um, and also want to highlight that in addition to the lawsuit uh, this coalition, that chris has been working on has been pushing really to try to have non-partisan redistricting like iowa and, and even if the lawsuit is ruled favorably we still need to have a better way to make these maps and so uh, chris i want to thank you and all of uh, the organizers and co-op members who have been working extraordinarily hard to take this issue and really bring it to the public and make it a, an issue that we think, uh, is, is going to be important in this election. So thank you. And thank you for joining us today.
3: Well, thank you so much for your time and everything you guys are doing as well. It's very important.
0: With that, we got to wrap up this battleground, Wisconsin. Again, we're citizen action. We want to thank our producer, Brian Wildrich, who makes the show happen every week And we'll see you next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin.